Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. And we are talking about comic books when we say the word comics, not comic strips or comedian comics or uh, comics with an X. We're talking about comic books, superhero comic books specifically. Uh, This is a podcast hosted by two brothers who have grown up to become uh, semi-decent comedians. Semi-decent at the very least. We might be mostly decent. I mean, I'm averaging us a semi-decent. You're probably decent and I am... Slightly below decent. Making as long as you rank me ahead of you, I don't care what words you use. There you go. Uh, and uh, but we grew up loving comic books. Still do love comic books, and so we reminisce or talk about comic books that we loved and or love and or will always love. And yeah. this season, we're talking about Justice League International. I didn't say our names. Do we need to do that? Who cares? And uh, this episode, we're doing issue nine of Justice League International. Ah, let's do our names. My name's Will Hines, and the guy who's been talking this whole time. It's Kevin Hines. I'm Will's brother. Did I say we were brothers? I Yep, you said that. You did say that. Good. All right. That's more important than our names, is that we're related to each other, which gives us the God-given right to make this podcast. That's right. If you're related to somebody and you want to do something together, you can do whatever you want. You mm-hmm. can form a band. You can succeed each other uh, in, a, in a governorship. You can... Um, you can open a store like nobody is allowed to refuse two siblings who get along well enough to join in, into an enterprise together. Yeah. And that's us. And all we're asking and we're all asking is that you listen to us talk about comic books we liked. That's right. Pretty easy for what we could Almost, ask. Yeah. You know? We could be asking for anything. We could be into doing heists where we rob your local bank, throwing your personal life into bedlam. You'd have to let us do that. You'd have to because we're brothers. But instead, we're just saying, hey. Let us give our warm to cold takes on Justice League International as we espouse the popular opinion and mostly do not diverge from it. Yeah. Most people like this comic book and so do we. Yeah. Most people found it really good and we agree with that exactly. Yeah. Uh, We are now kind of in the bonus episodes. We were originally going to do eight episodes. I've talked you into doing... um, up through issue 12 of Justice League International and then jumping and over then to Europe. And some number of Justice League Europe. Yeah. So we're in bonus. This is bonus territory, folks. If you have enjoyed this season, this is for you. If you haven't enjoyed the season, well, strap in we for apologize. a few more. We apologize. Yeah. Buckle up. Uh, but yeah, this is issue nine. It's a weird issue because it's part of a big crossover event, Will. Yeah, there's a crossover that I, an event that I do not remember at all called Millennium. Mm-hmm. Th- this was around the time, Kevin that I would soon stop reading superhero comics very faithfully. This crossover is a good reason to stop reading comic books. Millennium <laughs> was bad, I think. I didn't read Millennium when it came out, though I was mm-hmm. read. I, I don't even think I was reading Flash yet, though I would go back and read the Flash issues that cross over with this. Yeah. And I read these Justice League issues that cross over with it, and that's maybe mm-hmm. it, because I don't think I was reading many other DC books at the time. Okay. Uh, and maybe a year ago, I went back and tried to read Millennium because I was doing a reread of The Flash. Being yeah. Like, oh, let's see what the story was all about. And I couldn't get through it. Yeah, it's weird when comics are so boring you can't finish them. Sometimes, because we've read a lot of comics for this podcast, like when we did all 103 issues of FF. And so we'd be like, you know, piling through like 10 or 11 a week. 
And that's more comics than I generally read these days. I know to some people that's not that many, but to, to me, it's, it's more than I usually do. But I'm reading Jack Kirby books. I'm like, they're, they're pretty fun. Like I, you know, e- even when I'm getting a little tired of them, they're enjoyable. But then as soon as I got through the Kirby ones, I tried to keep going a little bit and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't even read like two or three of them. And they weren't like bad. They weren't like, you know, obviously bad in some way. They just somehow didn't reach some critical mass of something and I couldn't keep going. Even when I was younger and I was reading through the essential Amazing Spider-Man volumes and I burned through the Ditko ones and I was reading through the Romita ones and I went pretty far. There hit a wall all of a sudden where I was like, I couldn't get through them. And I was like, I guess I'm going to stop buying these cheap tomes because I don't care. I'm bored. Yeah, I don't and need I to ever read this them. character. Just, and I've now loved read yeah. every issue up to this point. Yeah. I'm just done. And plus, you, you, you and I are, and I think most comic book collectors, you're a little bit of a completist. Like, you sort of want to touch all the bases and read every one. And if it was like, oh, if you read five more issues, you'll have read them all. You'd push through it. Yeah. But when you're looking at like 100 issues of banality, it's like, it's a desert. You can't yeah. cross it. Uh, I mean, and knowing that it'll be up and down throughout there, but it's just like, I don't know when it'll go up. That's one of those like lists that really helpful. Like when some maniac has read everything and they say, here's like the top, whatever, 10 storylines, you know, the top 10 Batman storylines or something like that. And and if it's a really well-researched list, they'll be pulling stuff from like the Neil Adams time in the 70s, the original incarnation, Jeff Loeb stuff in the 90s or whatever. Like someone who's like, and then, but then there'll be something you've never heard of, like some you know, something that only the, the real Batman nuts would know or something like that. And so that's when those lists can be really good. Somebody sent us a list of the uh, top 10 Batman stories, I think. Oh, what a weird to, example that I'm I just I'm trying gave. to see if I can find it real, real quick. Uh, you know what I really love reading is when I, while you're finding it, I'll tell the story. Like when, when there's a comic book creator that you love and they say their favorite comics ever. Yeah. Especially the ones they loved as a kid. You'll f- usually find some hidden gem that like just hit them at the right age. And so they remember it forever, even if history did not regard it as something. And my examples for that are my two of my favorite cartoonists are uh, Jaime and Gilbert Hernandez who Mm -hmm. do this comic book called love and rockets, which um, it's like um, an indie comic critically acclaimed, never a huge, huge hit. Probably people who are listening to this know there is a comic book called Love and Rockets, but have never read it. I bet you that's the case for a lot of people listening. Well, I'm a huge fan. It's done by two brothers. Kevin and I really yep, should do sure, some yeah, Love yeah. and Rockets at some point. But um, there's I, I always read interviews with those guys because I find them really interesting. And the Comics Journal did an interview once where they asked them to list their 10 favorite comics ever. And they both listed a comic book from the 1960s called The Death of Superman. And it's not the more famous Death of Superman from, you know, whatever, 1990 or 91 or whenever that was. This was some 1960s Death of Superman, and they both had it in their top five. And I was like, oh, they must have just loved it as kids together. Right. And they still hold on to it. And another one they loved was a little Archie comic called The Long Walk. Yeah, you sent that one to me, I think. I looked that one. I was so intrigued that they liked a little Archie comic that I like dug it up and uh, it was like really good. It was like a really affecting and sort of innovative little Archie comic, which sounds insane, but I, it, it was, it absolutely was. And it was really cool to read. And so I, I love when you get lists like that, that sort of points you to gems. 
If I was going to do a gem, this is hard. This is not that obscure a comic, but I would say Amazing Spider-Man 18, which is the Green Goblin story where Peter runs away because he hears that Aunt May is sick, is a great like three-part Amazing Spider-Man story, which is usually not on your top lists the way like the origin is or the right. Master Planner or like you know, it's or you know it's it's not one of the most likely listed, but it holds up as well as any Spidey arc, I think. So I don't know. That's my I don't I don't know as much as Kevin or probably a lot of people listening to this, but that would be a deep cut that Especially I know. Especially when of. we reread it, that one held up as good as the best of Ditko's run. Yeah, I, it was not at the top of my mind as a highlight. And when we got to it, I was like, we were like, woohoo, baby, that cooked. <laughs> um, I can't find the list, so I'm not going to keep looking. All right. Well, maybe someday we'll get to it. Um, but yeah, somebody sent us, basically he linked to his blog where he listed like the top 10. <laughs> I forget whether it was Batman stories or Silver Age Batman stories. And I was like, this seems like a good list. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even though I like Batman, I don't know Batman as well. Um, so, But we are, in, we are in part of the Justice League that I... Th- um, oh, so we were talking about Millennium's not that good. Yeah, Millennium's not that good. It's it's interesting. Later on, they cross over with Invasion, which is another crossover uh, that Keith Giffen sort of uh, was the brainchild behind. And I've read Invasion, and I like Invasion more. Mm-hmm. Uh, though when I reread that, I found it slow to start. But I, I like Invasion more. Yeah. Um, but Millennium was is Secret bad. Secret Wars the first big crossover? I've, like Secret Wars in Mar- Crisis, Secret Wars. I think, were... I think similar time frame. I wonder which one came first. Well, I think Crisis probably was created first, but who knows what came out first that I don't know. I mean, somebody knows who knows as if it's impossible to find out. We'll never know. There's no, there's, we do not, this is not a well-documented medium. Which book was released first? Uh, Uh, I remember thinking that Crisis was like, it looked more thought out and sort of like, Organized and Secret War seemed more thrown together, but that Secret War somehow was more fun. Uh, that was that was my impression as a thirteen-year-old boy when those things came out. Secret Wars came out first. It looks like by a couple of years. By a couple of years, huh? Yeah, it looks like eighty-four was uh, Secret Wars, and I think Crisis was. Uh, I'm eighty-four. Did I say eighty-four for Secret Wars? And Crisis was the began the month Secret Wars ended. So they're probably in development at the same time. I mean, Crisis is such a bigger deal. And with George Perez on art, I bet it started sooner. Um, but who knows? Because uh, Secret Wars also felt like it was churned out pretty quick. But having read yeah, them Secret both, Wars had a kind of slapdash feel. But boy, was it fun to read when it came out. I still like it. And, and it's one I wouldn't mind covering for this podcast, even though I think it is hit or miss throughout. There's so many cool things that happen for, from like a reader's perspective even if it's not like a great complete story. And I don't think Crisis is necessarily a great complete story. Did Jim Shooter write it? I think so. He either and wrote Mike it Zech or plotted it, it. I remember. Yeah. But just I like mean, Hulk. I don't know enough to do the Jim Shooter coverage that I want, but Jim Shooter was editor-in-chief of Marvel when Kevin and I were like first falling in love with Marvel. And so we have a special affection for that era. Um, And I do think it's, I think it. there are so many milestones that happened during that time I think you got to hold up Jim Shooter as one of the all-time great editors of Marvel. and it, I, But I don't know the full story, and I kind of would like to. I mean, if only, like, you would hold up Stan Lee for, like, he knew who to give free reign to, right? He said, all right, Byrne, here's FF. Hey, all right, Frank Miller, go wild on Daredevil, which maybe seems obvious, but, like... Seems obvious now. 
uh, but he did that. And Stan Lee was he like, did Jack it, Kirby, yeah. Ditko, go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those are, those aren't as easy. I mean, that doesn't happen that often. There were just a tremendous amount of great comics that were done under Shooter's reign. Maybe, maybe not directly credited to him, but yeah. he deserves some. It happened on his watch. He de- he deserves some percentage of, in, in like cro- you say, at least giving the right guys the ball. In crossovers, if if Jim Shooter was one of the guys starting it, are terrible in general as like a from a like a reader's perspective. They're generally not good stories. They generally stop the flow of your regular comics. They're generally. Uh, accompanied by lots of other books that you have to buy to get the complete story. They're trying to trick you into buying more books. Yeah. But they sell and they make a lot of money for the comic book. So like in that sense, like of course Jim Shooter and whoever else would want to do those things. Yes. You kind of wish they never discovered that. Yeah. Right. Right. It's like, Oh yeah. Um, uh, nuclear bombs were really useful. <laughs> I wish no one thought right, of that. Right. Right. Um, but millennium, is a weird crossover where I don't fully understand the story, but to give our listeners background, don't go read Millennium if it's possible. Uh, even the collections. If you have to, if you have to, then then do your best. But I mean, don't if do it's it. Possible, even if you have to do it, it, don't do it. I say stand I, up for if, yourself. If you're being kidnapped and the guy says, "I'll let you go if you read Millennium," I think you should do I it. I say don't do think, it. I say maybe stay, stay kidnapped. kidnapped. Stay kidnapped. Um, even the Justice League collections we have just basically have like a paragraph recap of what Millennium is. Uh, and, but Millennium is basically the, like some sort of galaxy-wide race had infiltrated uh, uh, Earth with like yeah. robot duplicates or something. So people yeah. were either robots and or spies that were working for these manhunters. Not to be conv- right. confused with the Martian manhunter. Confusing name. Or the manhunter that Walt Simonson and Archie Goodwin did. Right, which seemed really cool. Um and yeah, it's so, a confusing name. It's like you shouldn't call something the Manhunters when there's a character called the Martian Manhunter. Yeah, it's very confusing. But so basically there's Here a Here come the caped crusaders. <laughs> They're the villains of this. Uh, nothing to do with Batman. Yeah, right. They just happen to be called. And they work for the Man of Steel himself. <laughs> Steel Man. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, in that series, I don't... I, again, I couldn't get through the entire, whatever, six or eight issues of that series. But in all the books that were coming out at the time... It'd be like, who is the Manhunter in this series? So, like, in the Flash book, Wally West Flash, his dad turned out to be working for the Manhunters. Mm-hmm. It's like the Cylons in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, or Skrulls in a recent Marvel's crossover called Secret uh, Secret Invasion, which is fine as far as crossovers go. <laughs> um, uh, uh, one other fact about this uh, crossover, my younger, my, my child, my three-year-old son, loves yes. it, loves this issue. Oh, yeah. The it's so interesting what he gravitates this towards. This is the one he steals and tries to reread all the time. And I'll tell you the part that he really loves when we get to it. Okay. Now I'm excited. Cam- Cameron approved. Yeah, he's three and a half and he knows comic books. Um, well, shall we get into it, Kevin? Yeah, let's do it. Um, it starts with a cover that uh, ta- uh, touts Millennium Week One. I guess the crossovers were uh, marked by which week of the crossover we were at. Mm-hmm. And I think also these like yellow lines that are running across are part of that crossover trade dress. Uh, this is a fine drawing. We have a rocket red number seven holding Martian Manhunter over his head. A confusing choice, given that he is saying no one is no man escapes the Manhunters. Yeah, he's Whereas not from first, my perspective. He's holding up someone who's not a man and calls himself yeah. a Manhunter. 
Yes. He, and the man is called a manhunter. It's sort of confusing. Yeah. And Batman is lying slumped on the stage or whatever he's standing on. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a fine drawing, though. Yeah. Looks like a, it's a striking cover. It's a striking cover. If, if Rocket Red had joined the team earlier than last issue, it would also <laughs> maybe mean more. Right. Um, going into the splash page, um, they plug Millennium a little bit, and then we see that uh, Martian Manhunter... Booster Gold and Nicified Guy Gardner Green Lantern are flying outside of the JLI's new shuttle mm-hmm. over what looks like the Grand Canyon or something. Yeah, they're heading off somewhere. All the heroes uh, had gathered together to talk about this Millennium problem. I sort of love just how superheroes. Why are they flying outside the ship? Wouldn't it be easier just to be inside? It's big. It's a big ship. Yeah, and like, aren't you just tired doing it? Like, they have room. Yeah, they're not in combat right now. Yeah, and they can just get outside if they need to. Um, I don't know. Superheroes are always flying everywhere. Yeah, because they're going to be covering several states worth of distance. That just seems to be like a lot to navigate and to keep track of. Yeah, I would I would be in the ship for sure if I was Booster Gold, Martian Manhunter, or Guy Gardner. I mean, if these guys were L.A.-based superheroes, they'd be flying everywhere. No one, no one would be walking under their own power or flying or anything. Um, so Green, Green Lantern, Guy Gardner, has still niceified from the punch in the face that batman gave him like four issues ago yeah or whatever it was so he's still saying things like my gosh aren't those guardians the most awe-inspiring fellows you've ever met and all those heroes together at once why gee whiz i've never seen anything quite like it uh his nice personality really makes me laugh it is very funny it is so extremely nice it is nicer than what captain marvel was in the book and they had portrayed him as like super naive and nice when, when I read these balloons in my head, there's like a subtlety to them. And then when I read them out loud on this podcast, they become like three times as obvious. Yeah. Like almost cornier. I mean, I, I love. They read Justice better in books. your head for sure. Yeah. Um, um, but this, so I guess we've, they, they've just learned that the Manhunters are infiltrating and anybody they know could be a Manhunter. That's what it sounds like they've just learned. Yeah. Uh, I love this first joke on the next page where <laughs> Blue Beetle's looking out the window going, you notice how Gardner keeps smiling and waving at us every couple of minutes? It's creepy. And that it's is a very a funny, funny visual to think about. Yeah. Like he's flying this him just looking over and waving and smiling. Even any superhero doing that is very funny to me. It's very funny to see somebody doing something from the background, like comic books you know, especially superhero comics, the panel is always like close up on the action, framing very prominently what's happening. To have like Gardner just in the background and we're calling attention to him, that even that's just funny. Um, Keith Giffen uh, and J.M. DePatties waste no time in getting into this Millennium crossover. By the bottom of this page, Rocket Red has admitted he's a manhunter. Um, yeah, it happens one, two, the fourth panel of the first non-splash page and i've got to imagine they've just added him two issues ago they must have known this crossover was coming and just gone like well, let's just make this manhunter the rocket red who we're adding yeah nobody cares about he's a rusky you know what i mean he's a yeah. commie soviet hero we know. so us red-blooded americans won't care that he's a traitor he's also got no personality it just doesn't it won't it won't feel weird being like wait a second uh blue beetle has been a manhunter this whole time cracking jokes it's almost like he was added just to be a traitor. Yeah. It's like, co- uh, here's Rocket Red, codenamed Judas or whatever. Yeah. Do you like my Judas joke? Um, no, I don't like making fun of the Bible. I think it is I a sacred text. I understand. I understand. Um, though it was probably uh, written by brothers. 
<laughs> yeah, the the New Testament is theoretically written by God, but the two people who actually transcribed it into scrolls were a couple of bros. Yeah, yeah, they're fun guys. Um, so Rocket Red reveals he's a manhunter, um, and then asks the Justice League to join their cause. Seems like a bad move. Bad sales pitch. He's not selling this right. Yeah, he's sort of targeting Batman. We cut to uh, headquarters for some reason, and Oberon is talking to Captain Adam. Oberon, who's um, who's got sideburns <laughs> that I don't. I think it'd be hard to grow the hair that Oberon has. Like it's like the sideburns start at the very top of his head and then streak down the sides. As if he, as if like like an airline neck pillow. Yeah, and he has pretty high collars on certain angles. They seem like they could go all the way down to his waist. They don't, but they feel yeah. like they could. They look like it's like he's got two mohawks, but they grew on the sides of his head instead of the down the middle. Um, so he is Oberon is realizing that the shuttle that the Justice League is on is not responding and is kind of like. Something's amiss. It's heading he in the of, it's heading in the wrong direction. Oh yeah, that makes sense. There's a little Stan Lee-ish dialogue here in panel two. Captain Adam is like, I better check this out and starts to fly away. And Oberon goes, Yeah, you do that, Captain Adam. And that sounds to me a little bit Stan Lee-ish. I feel like Stan Lee used to write things like, Yeah, you do that little thing. Um, like, I mean it's certainly I mean Stan Lee wrote so much, I'm sure he wrote that line of dialogue. I think it was something that came up a lot. It's like um it, they, it, he would use it to like under like to sarcastically understate something hard. I'm gonna go tackle Galactus. Yeah, you do that little thing. That's yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Uh, I like Oberon uh, as he's sort of taken on like a uh, administrative role in this book, and it's fun. It's a fun role for him. He's got that crazy Kirby visual design, which makes him cool. Uh, so we cut back to the ship. Rocket Red is still making a pitch, and Batman gives him a shot. Well, while he's making the pitch, Mr. Miracle is like had opened has opened up his backpack and is like working on his uh, equipment. Yeah, he's like snuck up behind him and he's opened up his exoskeleton and is trying to sabotage him from behind. Which I guess I mean, there's no nerve endings, right? Still seems like a tough move. Yeah, he's it would take a miracle to pull it off. You're saying? Yeah, somebody it would take somebody whose very name was miraculous. Uh, Blue Beetle has his own plan to get help. He fogs up the window and writes the words, and writes, help. Because <laughs> I guess there's people flying outside that they're not able to communicate because Rocket Red has somehow taken over the ship. Yeah. We got no telepaths on board? No one's got any mental ability? Guess not. Uh, Martian, Man, uh, Ma- Martian Manhunter is a telepath. He is not on board. Okay. Uh, checks out continuity-wise. And so then the next page we see... Uh, Rocket Red take off his mask, and we see that he is indeed a creepy robot dude, manhunter. And then he shocks Mr. Miracle behind him. He's aware that Mr. Miracle is messing with his circuitry. Um, this is not my son's favorite page, but he enjoys this page. He likes the unmasking of Rocket Red to reveal he's a robot. <laughs> Rocket Red 7 is bad guy. He's a robot. My son likes to remind me of that frequently. <laughs> uh, this is a classic JLI, JLI joke here. I, we, cannot be so easily stopped. And Mr. Miracle, who's been, like, subdued by the electric shock, goes, you can say that again. And then Rocket Red says, I, we, cannot be so easily stopped. And Mr. Miracle goes, no sense of humor either. Yeah, Rocket Red's been on the team for uh, an issue, but he he knows corny dad jokes. That's how how they'll be convinced to join the Manhunters. 
And um, so then everybody gets into a fight. This, like, control room of the ship looks like the size of a tennis court. Like, I don't know what the design is of this shuttle, but they have a ton of room to maneuver here. Yes. There's no seats in any of these shuttles. Um, they still make the flyers uh, stay outside. There's so much space. But yeah, Rocket Red launches himself at Blue Beetle, who makes a kind of a joke at Rocket Red's expense. Um, and so from the outside, Guy Gardner, who's flying along, sees Rocket Red tackle Blue Beetle, sees the word help written in fog on the window, and doesn't realize that anything's wrong. Yeah, he thinks to himself, that's what I love about those guys. They're such a great bunch of jokers. It's such a strange move. His personality has changed so completely that it almost, it's like a mental disorder. Like he's completely lost his memory and sense of who he is. They could have made him useful to the team. Both his personalities seem like just ways to keep the Green Lantern power off the table until they need it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He's either such a wild card uh, jerk that he refuses to work with them or do what they say, or he's such a nice guy, he never doesn't recognize that anything's ever wrong. Yeah, like last, uh, or not last, two issues ago, he stayed back and did monitor duty <laughs> instead of helping out deal with the laser satellite. He would have been really useful in space. That's his he area. Has, yeah, he has, as Kevin has pointed out, maybe the most powerful weapon in the DC universe on his hand. Yeah. Uh, Black Canary gives a flying kick to Rocket Red. Uh, Blue Beetle has been knocked... Um, senseless yeah um, uh, blue beetle asks batman hey how did i end up on the floor and batman Bat- says a left turn at the manhunter's fist which is a little more jovial than i would expect batman yeah, to batman's be. getting into it yeah uh manhunter still trying to make a sales pitch to black canary while he like strangles her yeah it's a cool move um but batman does another flying tackle freeing black canary um And he goes, got him. And then Mr. Miracle goes, now that you have bats, what do you intend to do with him? Batman says, beat him into the ground. Batman is. I love a good, brutal Batman. Batman is confident. He's got no qualms that he can take down this super suit of a man. Playing the Arkham video games as Batman, the most fun thing was just beating the holy crap out of like all kinds of bad guys. Like the character is merciless. For those of you that listen to the early episodes of this podcast from season one are just jumping back in now. Will's become a huge gamer. Yeah. It's, it's really taken. I'm playing the last of us right now. It's we, like taking over. We my went life. from saying we don't own systems. We probably were not going to get one and play the Spider-Man game to will replaying games, getting new games, having yeah. opinions on the Batman Arkham series that came out years ago. Yeah. I'm a little bit behind on a lot of stuff, but I'm, I'm making my way through a lot of the classics. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, so uh, they're they're fighting here. Uh, it's revealed that Rocket Red has complete control of the ship. Not Rocket Red, but the Manhunter who's posing as a Rocket Red. Yes. Has control of the ship. The well, flyers I mean, outside he, are starting. He is a Rocket Red. They've been infiltrated for years. It's not like these guys just took over. So he's been. He, he joined so the Rocket Red. been trained as a Rocket Red. Yeah, that's right. He's probably hung out with them on social occasions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Probably done karaoke with those guys. Yeah, karaoke is real big in the Soviet Union in I 86. Bet it is. I bet you it is. So the shuttle, uh, they've subdued Rocket Red uh, slash Manhunter inside the ship. And so since he was controlling the ship, the ship begins plummeting to the ground, which signals to the flyers outside that something is amiss. Yeah, Guy says, gee, maybe they weren't kidding. Maybe they really did need help. To Martian Manhunter goes, Guy, what are you talking about? <laughs> be so frustrating to be on a team with Guy Gardner. He's so unhelpful. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, inside, 
um, Rocket Red punches Batman off of him. Ooh, that and then sounds like it hurts. A big crack right in his nose. I mean, it, Batman is not a super-powered human being. That seems like it would be bad. Yeah, it seems like it would and crush. You can't, and you can't make your face more muscular. It doesn't matter how many push-ups Batman does. You're not going to make your face have ripped abs. And he, and I'm sure he does nose crunches, uh, but how much does that help? I don't know. Not too much. And um, uh, meanwhile, Mr. Miracle's up on his flying discs and says, okay, oh no, you're not getting away that easily. Uh, I didn't really say that, did I? I'm starting to sound like a, a superhero. Yeah. The the new gods at this point had not really been that uh, big a part of the DC universe. So Martian, uh, Mr. Miracle's not a superhero, really. He's this mythological Jack Kirby creation. Uh, He's just floating over into the DC realm, uh, side of things. Yeah, but the, I mean, all the more they cross over with Justice League, the more they become superheroes. Kevin's, Kevin's cat is really... Is that Lulu or Parker? That was Louise. She just stood between me and the microphone. I couldn't get a word in uh, edgewise. It was adorable. Um, uh, Rocket Red flies out the side of the ship. Mr. Miracle can't stop him. And uh, as he flies out, since he has mental control of the ship, he locks it all up. And so he's out and they're all locked in. Yeah. Uh, he stands on top of the ship uh, to face off with Martian Manhunter, Booster Gold, and Guy Gardner while he's kind of piloting the ship into a mountain. Seems like a bad idea because... Martian Manhunter is incredibly powerful. We're talking like Superman level yeah. powers. And then there's Green Lantern, who is incredibly powerful. Yeah, yeah Booster's no, not a total slouch. Booster Gold is probably the third most powerful member of the team. So we got your top three. You got your, you know, three, four, and five in the batting order here. I mean, you probably put Batman ahead of him just because he's Batman. But as far as power levels, if you're just going to give these powers to anybody, Booster Gold's got the third best power set. Uh, even more than Oberon? He, he ekes out Oberon, who has zero powers. Mm. So we see Green Lantern spring into action. He makes a shield, protecting them from an attack. Um, the flyers are sort of talking over what's going on, and they realize that whether Manhunter knows it or not, they're flying into the airspace of Bialya. The of Soviet neighbor rival with uh, the Soviet Union that we've encountered several times already in this comic book. And they're specifically heading for an oil refinery, which will cause a great big explosion on top of the um, international incident and kill them all, most likely, except for Martian Manhunter, who'll be fine. Doesn't fire hurt him? He'll be fine. All right. Um, so they are. So Manhunter reveals his plan. He's going to sacrifice himself, fly this into the oil field. JLI will take the blame, and then they'll be discredited. Yes. Um, um, and so this plan is working. The ship with him on it and the JLI inside races toward the soil field to get some action sequences of the ship getting closer and closer. Uh, McGuire's really a good artist. Huh? It's like very easy to follow what's going on. Yeah, when read he's really good. Um, the ship screeches to a halt, launching Rocket Red off the ship towards the oil like refinery. It's Bugs Bunny style. Like the ship just seems to stop in the air. Yeah, I mean, it makes a screech noise, which I don't <laughs> think would happen. No. Uh, this um, page, by the way, is one of my son's favorite pages. He loves watching the bad Martian Manhunter be thrown off. He loves oh, watching the, the justice bad guy of him being, get defeated, yeah. Oh, it's really fun. And the next page, he goes flying of the oil field. Boom. He's defeated. Yeah, and you see that other Rocket Reds have caught the Justice League ship and are holding it in place. And they're the scree that caused it to stop. My son also enjoys this page. The good Rocket Reds are saving the day? That's right, yeah. 
So he's into justice. He's into the good guys thwarting the bad guys. He loves the Rocket Reds as a as a as a force. He talks about them more than almost anyone else in these books. I'm so I'm weirdly jealous of him because like the way he's reading this comic and the way he's feeling the panels is so much more powerful than you or I can feel them. Like he's forming a bond with these panels the way we formed a bond with those early Ditko ones. You know what I mean? How we'd be rereading the Ditko Spider-Mans and, and you know, a panel that was not even the most important panel to the story. We'd be like, Oh, we remember this. Like in the fantastic four, when Johnny shaves Namor's beard with his finger, Mm -hmm. makes his finger light on fire and shaves Namor. And we both were like, Oh, this really like, was a visceral, you know, it stood out to us in our yeah. memories. It's very random, the panels that he is gravitating towards. He's, um, we're also watching a lot of spectacular Spider-Man and the lines of dialogue that he'll quote are sometimes so minor uh, yeah. that it's, he's been quoting Flash Thompson lately who asks one of his friends, who's that cutie uh, about uh, Shoshana? Uh, the new girl uh, in school or the new girl that Flash is noticing and Cameron yeah. will walk around pointing at vegetables and go, who's this cutie? And we need to say <laughs> asparagus awesome. or whatever. That's terrific. And it took me, I was like, where's this from? He goes, Flash asks about Toshana. And I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> I do remember him asking someone who she was. I don't remember him saying, who's this cutie? It is so funny. Uh, Kevin, I got to point out, you're raising the competition to this podcast and I, I have it's, to caution it's you. It's going to be this. a better podcast. <laughs> So we, um, so Rocket Red has kind of been defeated by the bad rocket, bad trader Rocket Red has been defeated by the good Rocket Reds. That's right. And I think now is as good a time as any to take a short break. You are correct. Let's take a break. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. And we're back to the action. Because, Will, you made it sound like Rocket Rogers defeated. He's not. Oh, that's right. Well, it sure looks like he is. He's got thrown into an oil refinery and exploded. So Green Lantern is containing him in a big... Actually, yellowish-looking dome. I don't agree with the coloring here. It should be a yeah, green he's, dome. He's also waving and calling out to Captain Adam friendly. Hi there, Captain Adam. I'll be down in a flash just as soon as I'm done containing the fire. <laughs> Captain Adam goes, take your time. <laughs> yeah. no, nobody wants to hang out with him. Yeah. And so it turns out that Oberon helped. Oberon realized something was up and radioed the Soviet embassy of the JLI, and that got in touch with the Rocket Reds, who came and saved the day. Yep. Um, a smart move, Oberon. Oberon really is the hero of this story. Maybe he's the most powerful member of the Justice League uh, after the all. The fourth panel of this page is a kind of a highbrow joke. Sure, yeah. Um, I don't think I probably got it uh, when we read it as kids, because I had not heard of that story then. Yeah, um... Uh, Blue Beetle is complimenting how fast the Rocket Reds showed up to save the day. And he goes, as quick as you could say, Gogol's overcoat, they came a running. 
And then one of the Rocket Reds goes, Gogol's overcoat, I don't understand. And Beetle explains, it's a famous Russian story. You know, Gogol, the overcoat, which, Kevin, I think I discovered because of you. I think you had yeah. copies of this. I took a Russian literature course in college and read it and loved it and then bought you um, a copy of it for Christmas one year. The overcoat and the nose. That was in the stories that you yeah, got. Yeah, I think there was other ones in there. Or maybe it was just a, a It was a little mini pocket those two. one. Yeah. Just those two. Those are his two big ones. I know, uh, those are both great stories. Did you write notes is, from a madman also? I have since then, not at, not in college. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I also saw it on uh, at, at BAM in New York. Well, it's a hilarious story. It is true, truly funny short stories, both of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's a pretty highbrow reference to be thrown in the middle of your DC super comic. That's uh, I love it when comics do that when they get a little smarty pants. Yeah, uh, the, the Rocket Retro pretending not to know who Gogol is, and they say he's having fun with you, Comrade Beetle. And Beetle looks at the camera. Yeah, and goes having fun. You mean he was joking? Don't you think that's slightly immature? Because he's been yelled at for joking too much. Yeah. Martian Manhunter, the dignified leader of the JLI, respectfully thanks the Rocket Reds. But then in comes charging Ruman, the leader of Bialia, who is corrupt and power hungry and a tyrant. And also a slime ball. Total amoral uh, bad guy. Uh, walks up to Martian Manhunter and gets right in his face, which is, um, I would say, ill advised. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't know that Martian Manhunter is a good guy. Martian Manhunter could crush him. And um, he's yelling at them for threatening his airspace. But then um, the Rocket Reds save the day again because they explained to him that uh, it was, um, you know, Roman's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to report this to my Soviet allies on this, how you have hurt my country. But then the Rocket Reds are like, bad news. So we are the Soviet allies and we do not blame the Justice League. Yeah. Uh, and at this moment, the Manhunter, the robot one, not the Martian one, steps out of the rubble, still alive, Terminator style. Yeah, just his skeleton. He's been And reduced. my son loves this part. Really? Loves it. He's like, who is this robot? And I'm like, oh, that's Rocket Red 7. He's like, oh, Rocket Red 7, he's bad. Uh-huh. Very excited by this. Did you hear that, Keith Giffen? You, you put together a good story. Um. So he won't give up. No man escapes the Manhunters, and he pulls out a gun. But then suddenly he's surrounded by an orange force sphere, and the presumed gunshot ricochets back at him. We hear a blong, and he's, like, destroyed. Yeah, and uh, it turns out Booster Gold used his force field and just put a force field around him and let him kill himself. Uh, And my son wants to know who stopped this robot, and I always have to tell him Booster Gold did it. So it's very important to him. The Rocket Reds and Booster Gold teamed up. He reminds me frequently, the Rocket Reds and Booster Gold stopped the Rocket Red 7. I love it. No, no, don't thank me. Thank my trusty force field projector. On second thought, thank me, says Booster Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we have a little exposition cleanup as uh, everybody kind of talks over the consequences of this. And they're sort of saying how dangerous it is. Like anybody could be a manhunter. I guess this is sort of a kind of a millennial plug here. Yes. Uh, on the next page, Maxwell Lord sort of looks at into other comic books for all intents and purposes and sees all the other manhunters that are being revealed around the world, including Wally West's father that I mentioned already. Yeah. Um, somebody from Firestorm, somebody from Wonder Woman, somebody from, uh, I don't know who, Geoforce. I don't know what book that was. Maybe The Outsiders. 
and then even Superman's being tested somehow. Mm-hmm. And so Maxwell Lord is looking out the window, wondering about it. Then his assistant, Mrs. Wootenhofer, comes in, and Mrs. Wootenhofer is a manhunter. Yep, she shoots him uh, uh, in the stomach, and the, it's a gut shot. But then some sort of robotic arm comes out and attacks her. And maybe subdues her, but we don't see that happen. And that's the end of the issue. It's implied she's been defeated because her no gets cut off abruptly. No. And then there's like a. Yeah. And then the uh, robot is saying, you've been a very bad girl, Ms. Wootenhofer. It's kind of flirtatious. And then um, that's the end of that story. Yeah, and then we cut into a little short story, again, drawn by Keith Giffen, sort of a continuation of last issue's epilogue story. Right. And who are these guys again? The Guardians of the whoever? The the Global Guardians. Okay. These are the team that were sort of replaced by Justice League International. They were made up of um, international superheroes from all over. Jack-o'-lantern, I believe, is like the Dublin hero. Okay. And they are talking to Ruman, Colonel Ruman. So this this is jumping back a little bit. This is kind of like... Yes. Uh, yeah. leads up to the issue we just read, but it's like starting from a little bit earlier. It's kind of showing what happened on the Ruman side of things. Right. Uh, last issue we saw Jekyll and fly off from the Global Guardians being like, I've got to figure out a way to, to regain my stature in the world. And it turns out he is allying himself with Bialya and Ruman. And so they're discussing their plans. Keith Giffen's art, as I said last issue, I find it really beautiful to look at in terms of its style, each individual panel I like, but I do have trouble just following what's going on for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I I wouldn't change a, a, a piece of it, but the second page of it, I think there's, the first panel is just Ramon. The second panel is just an extreme close-up of Jack-O-Lantern's Jack-O-Lantern. Yes. <laughs> His lantern. And then it's like four scenic buildings exterior shots of just them talking so you don't immediately know who's talking you can figure Mm -hmm. it out from what's being said i don't quite know where we are it's weird yeah he also loves as he is as ambush bug informed us close-ups of eyes there's two the keith given big eye panel there's three within five pages or whatever this is yeah and i do i love them they're great so Jack O'Lantern eventually they talk for a while, then Jack O'Lantern kind of flies off and they've made some agreement. But as after Jack O'Lantern flies off, he reveals that he hates Ruman. He's like pompous little jackass. Yeah. And Ruman thinks he's he's completely swindled Jack O'Lantern. Yeah. Yeah. But then a, a, after Jack O'Lantern flies off, we hear a huge explosion, which we know is traitorous rocket red manhunter collapsing into oil fields. Yeah. And so Ruman is filled with uh Fear and bewilderment. My oil fields. Faster, you jackanapes. Faster, as he's ordering someone to drive him over there to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the end of the issue, Will. Yep. Congratulations. Next issue will still be a Millennium crossover. We'll talk more about that next issue. It also doesn't involve much of the Justice League International. It'll be interesting. I can't wait. Um, did you have a favorite part of this issue? I told you my son's favorite part, which was uh, Booster Gold's Force Field... Uh, I think it's Guy Gardner waving to Captain Adam. Hi, Captain Adam. Yeah, um, that is a that's a good choice. Um, I guess I will choose. Uh, I mean, it's also Guy Gardner, but the him ignoring the help sign. <laughs> I think that's a good good moment. I think Guy Gardner is the most important member of this team. He makes so much happen. 
Uh, Story-wise, character-wise, I totally agree. Without him, I cannot imagine this comic being good. Um, um, yeah. Overall, what do you think of that issue for a crossover? Well, I thought it was pretty fun given it was a crossover. I don't care or know anything about the crossover stuff, but this was pretty fun and easy read. It's not as good as the last couple, but I thought it fun and breezy. We still got a fair amount of character stuff. Yeah, it's it's tough when these things take over a book you love. It's like it it can stop the main plot from moving forward, which I, which I guess is true, but I don't know what the main plot of Justice League is at this point other than like what's going on with Maxwell Lord, which is still move forward a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is it can just be sort of incomprehensible and right. that one's definitely not true. It's, it's very easily it's defi- very clear easy to follow. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter that much. Like if you skipped this issue, it wouldn't matter tremendously. Right. Uh, in, in two issues, if you skip this issue and next issue, other than a couple references and the new rocket red showing up, it wouldn't matter. But as far as crossover issues go, this which are normally bad issues, this isn't so bad. Yeah. Like good creators, I think, are able to pull it off. Peter David used to do a really good job with the Hulk. He would be pulled into so many crossovers, and the Peter David Hulk issues would still somehow move his story forward most of the time. And when I was younger, I don't think I appreciated that. And then when I got older, I was like, this is really impressive that this isn't completely ruining the flow of this book. And it must have been hard. Yeah. Um, do we have any uh, email, Kevin Hines? Yeah, we don't have a ton, but let me see what we got. Well, uh, while you're looking it up, everybody, if you want to email us, our email address is screwitspidey at gmail. Please send us an email. We would love to hear your thoughts on certainly Justice League, but any comic book. Or if you have children reading comic books, or if you once were a child reading comic books, we'd like to hear about that. Um, if you have opinions on big eye panels um, or punches to the face that change your personality into something nice, we want to hear about it. Uh, we also have an Instagram account, Screw It Comics, uh, as well as Screw It Recent and Screw It Spidey. But Screw It Comics is our main one. And we have a Twitter account, Screw It Comics. So please check it out. Yeah, lots of ways to stay in touch with us. Um, one thing I was thinking about, I was thinking about our, this is not an email, but we were asked to cast the Justice League with comedians. And we couldn't think of a Booster Gold comedian. Yeah, right. I've decided I think it should be Donald Glover. Oh, that's really funny. He would do the perfect, it, like, cocky. He could do cocky, but also, like, that kind of Bob Hope uh, yeah. overwhelmed uh, fear thing. Yeah, There's that's no a great reason pick. Booster Gold needs to look a blonde and, and white and blue-eyed character. That doesn't matter to him. Donald Glover basically played a kind of version of this character in Community, where he was sort of a failed athlete who was, had a goofy relationship with uh, uh, Abed. Was it Abed? Abed, yeah. Um, so it's like there, but it's, there's also sort of a smugness overconfidence that I, that he plays with Lando. It's like, he can get all those ranges so well, and he'd be a great superhero. Be a great superhero. And it's, he especially would be a great, funny superhero. Like it, yeah. would, it would, he certainly could be just a straight dramatic one, but it would be a shame to waste his like insane comic talents. And it'd be very easy to see him having chemistry with Andy Samberg as Blue Beetle or whoever gets cast as Blue Beetle. Yeah. Um, I think it would work out great. Anyway, that came up. That occurred to me recently. We'll slowly cast the Justice League with comedians over the next ten episodes. That's right. Uh, I don't think I read this one last time. If I did, I apologize for the repeat. Um, Mike Dudley emailed us about the Spider-Man newspaper strips. Okay, we've had people talk to us about the newspaper strips before. So I may have read this one, but here it goes again. Uh, I always enjoy your podcast and sense of humor. Thank you. Uh, 
Uh-huh. Even though we currently aren't discussing Spidey, I wanted to pass something along to you. With all the mandatory stay-at-home orders, I decided to pick something up off my bookshelf that I had purchased and never had time to read. If you've never ventured into the Spider-Man newspaper strips, collected into hardcover, you are really missing out. The dated references alone are keen. Walloping web, web, web snappers, he signs it. Uh, we and did read this before. Um, it's, uh, I've, yeah, I've never read the newspaper strips too much. They were always too boring for me. Yeah. Um, and he sent a few panels where, uh, he references Frodo and Charles Bronson, <laughs> um, which is very interesting. He then sent us another one very recently, um, which, and this one for sure I didn't read. He sent uh, a panel of Kingpin choking somebody and he refers to somebody as a mangy milksop. Ooh, that's pretty great. Yeah. And I think, uh, these are from the era when John Romita was drawing it. So it's, you know. Good looking, it's good looking, boring comics. Yeah, the art always looked striking to me. I just, so little could happen in three panels that I didn't care. Um, also, I think last week, Howard Walfish asked us for cartoon recommendations. And yes. I didn't have many. I just started watching Justice League Action on Hulu, which is sort of the latest Justice League cartoon. Yeah. Um, people have, recently on Twitter, a bunch of people were talking about how good it was, and I've never watched it. They're 11 minute shorts, so they're not. There's nothing as um, serial feeling as the Justice League Unlimited series. Um, but I've watched the first two, and I'll get back to you whether they're good. The animation's great so far. All right. Stay tuned for a possible take later. Yes, that's right. Um, and I'm watching them with my son and to, so he can get a little taste of DC Heroes. That's only fair. Uh, Peter Kaufman writes... I've been enjoying the JLI series. I never even knew of its existence until the podcast. Never heard of almost all its members either, which is fair. Yeah. Um, I think a fitting end for the gray man would have been for the Lords of Order to say, okay, boomer. Uh, <laughs> That's very funny. It would have been very forward thinking of Keith Giffen to put that line, or J.M. DeMattis oh, yeah, had, yeah. to put that line in. What if Cheeseburger Cat defeated the Lords of Order? Um, I've also been re-listening to the original series. He's referring to our first season. Yeah. I wanted to mention a couple of things. In an episode, you mentioned the phrase high hat, as in Peter Parker says to himself, they must have thought I was high hatting them. Right. Um, it's a I, depression era phrase and featured prominently in the movie Miller's Crossing. And he sent us a link from Miller's Crossing, which is a movie I've seen in love. I've only seen it once, though, so I don't remember the high hat references. I'll watch it again immediately. Uh, as you have said more than once, the jokes Peter Parker makes are never really those a teenager would make. They're the jokes that Stan Lee or Bugs Bunny would make. <laughs> uh, I don't think that Peter's trying to be a hipster. It's just that Peter was going to sound like Stan. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, he, he, in an episode, Peter snarls derisively at the offer of pancakes, saying that he can, saying they uh, pe- they can be had from any joint in town. I realize that this m- must have been a nod to the wheat cakes that Aunt May prepares for him, and he was missing her. Um, I don't remember that reference, um, but uh, I would if it's an uh, accidental one. But I'd like to think that he's re- missing those wheat cakes. Did Stanley mention the wheat cakes more than once? He mentioned them a couple of times. I, they, I feel like they got mentioned all the time in like Untold Tales. Well, but yes, but like th- th- there's been tons of mentions of wheat cakes in these Spider-Man yes. many you know incarnations. But they're all inspired by one or two or maybe three references that Stan Lee made. But he does it on the first page of Amazing Fantasy 15. Yeah, they're in Amazing Fantasy 15 right away. And I do think they're referenced a couple more times in the Ditko era. 
it's on page one of Amazing Fantasy 15. It's like yeah. wheat cakes. It's just such a strange thing. Yeah, Uncle Ben's like feeling about. his uh, muscles or whatever, telling me. <laughs> um, uh, we got one more. Okay. Rob Farley. Good. Uh, from Baltimore. All right. Uh, great show. Came to it by way of Will on CBB a while back. Mm. That's a little indie podcast that you do once in a while, right, Will? County Bang Bang is a little known sort of fledgling podcast that I help out my buddy Scott Ackerman by appearing on. He's just having trouble getting the word out about it, and he's having trouble getting good guests. And he himself is a shy little wallflower, and he's you know he's not comfortable ad libbing. So I get on there to give him a little boost. That's nice of you. Yeah. Uh, Rob mentions that he just purchased the first seven issues of Justice League off of eBay thanks to us. Uh, additionally, you had previously inspired me to finally read the Lee and Kirby FF issues on Marvel Unlimited, as well as to start collecting the old floppy issues from the 60s. It's not easy or cheap to get my grubby mitts in some of those issues, but the hunt is thrilling. Um, I've been reading and collecting comics off and on since the late 80s, but always ignored FF because I thought it looked corny and dated. Thank you so much for shining a light on the Lee and Kirby run and all that there, lo- there is to love within. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, no, no question, but I love that. Oh man, what a what a nice thing to hear because um, we love the Lee and Kirby thing, but we also uh, made the decision that I'm I'm glad for its audacity, but was difficult to cover all of the Lee and Kirby things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I always wondered, do we make these episodes so hard to listen to because of the density of information that nobody would try it? But at least at least this guy did it. So yeah, um, I I'm, I don't do it anymore. I miss back issue diving. Uh, for old comics, either on eBay or just going to comic shops and going to dollar bins. Oh, yeah. Filling in holes. It was such a fun way to read comics. Yeah. It was really a thrill if you either stumbled upon like an artist that you love that you didn't realize they did an issue or like some storyline that had been referenced in like editor's notes. You find the original. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's certain series I only read because I found in back issue bins. Generally, it'd be by a creator I already liked that I had sort of skipped a series and then would be like, Oh, I can get two thirds of it for like 20 bucks. Yeah. I'm going to do that. And then I'll fill it in if I like it. And I'm like, Oh man, I love it. (laughs) Crap. Yeah. Now I got to fill it in and see what I've missed. Things like Marvel unlimited have kind of changed that. Like if you're like, I want to read the, um, you know, Frank Miller, daredevils. Well, they're all on Marvel unlimited. Like that's kind of an amazing deal. Yeah. Collections certainly fill in the big runs and then anything small, Except for really tiny, uh, hard to read things, it's it's all out there. I think it's kind of good. I mean, I used to dream about having access to like, you know, what what you have access to now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I should get into some of the '70s Marvel stuff that I, as a kid, I was intrigued by because you know, I my prime Marvel comic book reading was like 1983. Yeah, and, you know, the and the three or four years before and after that. So to me, the '70s Marvel was like this the frontier that I, that I missed. I tried like to the read monster this, stuff like son of Dracula or whatever and stuff like that. I tried to read this Taranko Nick Fury stuff at one point. Uh, it was beautiful, but I found it hard to get through. Uh, and I've often thought about the Gerber defenders or Howard the duck stuff, but I worry that I would have the same reaction to it. Then I would like, be the like, living vampire. Maybe it was son yeah. of Satan. Moby's the living vampire werewolf by night. Those are the ones that kind of intrigued me. Mm hmm. Well, they're out well, there. They're out there. Maybe I'll read them someday. Um, I guess we've done it, right, Kev? Yeah. Do you want to plug your new podcast? Oh, yes. Thank you. I have a new podcast out here, guys. It's called I Will Write Your Book. 
And it is uh, an improvised podcast where I play a ghostwriter named Will Hines, Mm -hmm. who writes people's books for them. And a lot of my comedian friends come on as characters who want books written. And the whole thing's improvised. And the episodes are a tidy 40 minutes or less. Um, And I think they're really funny. So I don't know if you wouldn't mind checking them out. I would really appreciate it. Um, I think they're a good time. And I don't know. Thanks for the plug, Kevin. And it's called I Will Write Your Book, right? I Will Write Your Book. That's right. I first tried to look it up as Ghostwriter, and I couldn't find it. Um, oh, yeah. And then I went to your tweets and figured out what the name of your podcast was. I think there was. already is a big podcast called Ghost. Yeah. A bunch of things came up with Ghostwriter in the title, and none of them were yours. And the, yeah. at first I thought you had been buried already. Uh, yeah. And then I found yours when I looked it up with the correct title. Use the correct title when you're searching for things would be my advice. I will write your book. Will Hines should make it pop pretty quickly if you're looking for it. So it did. Um, So they're on my queue. Uh, I don't drive anywhere anymore, so (laughs) I'm slowly getting through podcasts. But it's on my queue to hear you talk more. Um. Well, I guess we did it. Yeah, we're finished. I have one more plug. Oh, okay. I started a band. It's called Wayne and Rodney. We have a music video called uh, We Are Running From a Storm. You can check that out, too. That's real. All right. That's all. Yeah. So how would they find that? Google. Oh, it's on Spotify or Apple Music. Uh, and we have the music video on YouTube and Vimeo. So it's the band on Bandcamp, too? It's on Bandcamp, too. Wayne Ampersand Rodney. Yeah. And, uh, and it's really yeah. good. My, my son also likes that song. Woohoo. He likes Rocket Red Seven and uh, Will Hine, uh, Uncle Willie singing "Running from the Storm." <laughs> he has told his grandpa and his uh, and Cat's parents, my wife's parents as well, uh, that you're running from the storm. And why are you running from the storm? He often asks us. <laughs> um, so uh, he doesn't he doesn't fully understand why you're doing it. Well, me either. Me either. Enjoys it. He also enjoys your acting real, but that's a separate story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, if you're still listening to this podcast, tune in next week when we discuss issue 10. Bye, everybody. Bye. You shall not pass up listening to this new hilarious real play podcast starring a real life six year old. You see a giant red dragon and just a belch of flyer just as it flies straight towards you. And I just walked past it. <laughs> Check out the D&D Adventures of Coke the Kinder Giant on Campfire Media. Campfire.